In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The writer Dave Zoll tells the story of a visit that he paid to a friend of his, a priest who'd burned out terribly during his first call at a small, underfunded Episcopal church in New York City. This story is not meant to be autobiographical. <laughs> there had been moments of joy, Dave writes, of his friend's ministry, but when he finally left the city, it was more of a tail-between-the-legs situation than a choice. The friend wasn't even sure he'd stay in ministry much longer. So when Dave went out to visit him in his new hometown, it was with a certain amount of trepidation. Things had been hard for him for a long time, and a sudden change into a new environment isn't always the solution to life's problems. Sometimes it just accelerates the downward spiral to be dislocated from all your family and friends and networks. But when they met up, Dave noticed right off the bat how rejuvenated he seemed. He was full of energy and excitement. He was spiritually engaged in his work. It was clear that the last few years since he'd left New York had been a kind of mountaintop experience. And Dave wondered about the source. Was it a growing congregation or a new building project? Was it the warmer weather in Texas compared to New York? Had he discovered some kind of new prayer practice that brought him closer to God? So Dave asked his friend what accounted for this change, and it turned out Dave was right. He had had one of those mountaintop experiences with God, but it wasn't the kind that Dave was expecting. He laughed, Dave writes, and without skipping a beat, he told me, Dave, the honest truth is, I've gained a lot more compassion and patience for people since I realized that everyone is pretty much insane, myself included. <laughs> there are, after all, two different kinds of mountaintop experience. You may have had the first kind of mountaintop experience, or I hope that you do someday, one like Moses had, like the one that Dave wondered if his friend had had, the kind of intense spiritual experience that probably only happens once in a lifetime, if that, that moment when you find yourself wrapped in the overwhelming presence of the living God. Perhaps God reaches out to you with the inviting word, come up to me on the mountain, or perhaps you set out to go there on your own, seeking after God. But either way, sometime perhaps you've gone up on that metaphorical mountain in worship or meditation, on a group retreat or in prayer, and suddenly the cloud has wrapped itself around you, and you have found yourself in the presence of the Lord and the appearance of God's glory like a devouring fire, and you dwell there in rapture like Moses for 40 days or 40 minutes or 40 seconds. The time really makes no difference. But you come down from that mountain, and like Moses, your face is shining. You have been transformed, and your life will never be the same. Perhaps you've had an experience like this, or uh, one in smaller in degree, but similar in kind. Or perhaps you've had the second kind of mountaintop experience, which is an experience more like Peter's. The sudden realization that you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, and it's long past time for you to shut your mouth. Peter's up there on the mountain with his friends and spiritual companions, with Jesus and James and John, and Jesus is transfigured before him, his face shining like the sun, his clothes dazzling white, and ancient prophets have appeared in their midst, and Peter finds himself babbling out the response, Oh, Jesus, thank God we're here. 
okay, I'll build three houses if you want, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, and God essentially just says, you know what, Peter, I'm going to stop you right there. While Peter is still speaking, God responds, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Peter has completely missed the point. In his desire to get everything right, to try to manage this whole experience, maybe even to try to hold on to this experience, to put a little house around it so he has a shrine he can come and visit when he wants. He's entirely missed the point. His response is so focused on his own speaking that he's missed the fact that he's supposed to be listening. And it's one of a handful of stories that the gospel gives us to show us Peter once again missing the point the most central leader of the disciples, the kind of prototype for all of us as Christian disciples, failing to understand what God is doing right in front of him, failing to understand who Jesus really is and what he's really for. Moses' time on the mountaintop is an experience of the glory and sweetness of the presence of God. It's an inspiration, an invitation, as the psalmist says, to taste and see that the Lord is good. In Peter's mountaintop experience, the only thing you're tasting is humble pie. If Moses' experience is an ascent to the heights of spiritual experience, Peter's is a descent to the depths of humility. He literally throws himself on the ground and tastes the dust. And yet Peter doesn't learn or change or grow particularly much from this experience. In just a few weeks, the same Peter who's all too ready to praise Jesus unnecessarily on the mountain has no words to say he even knows him as Jesus is arrested. The one who declares him to be the Son of God will deny that he knows him at all. Peter is no superhero, after all. He's been humbled once by this realization of his own limitations, and he'll be humbled again and again. And the Bible makes it very clear to us that this is part of his life as chief disciple. But what's interesting to me is that it was this kind of mountaintop experience that had turned Dave's friend's life around. It wasn't an extraordinary experience of God's presence or a profound moment of prayer that had loosened the grip of his despair and healed his burned-out soul. It was the realization that he was like Peter, just a human being trying to do his best, but pretty much insane, lacking the words or the courage or the wisdom to know exactly what to do. And, maybe even more importantly, so was everyone else around him. As soon as he stopped expecting perfection from himself or from anyone else and accepted their basic collective insanity, he was no longer consumed by frustration with himself and with everyone else. I don't know which mountaintop you find yourself on right now, or what mountaintop experience of the past casts its shadows over the valley you're walking through. I hope that at some point you taste that sweetness of the presence of God wrapping around you like a cloud on the mountain with Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And I hope that at some point you learn that you are a human being, fragile and limited in scope. I don't know which one of those you find yourself closer to today, but I do know that Lent can be a very good time to encounter both of them. In Lent, we can set aside a little extra time for prayer or for worship, for reading the Bible or picking up a new practice of meditation, for spending an extra hour a month serving the community or an extra day a month with family or friends. And every one of these things can lead us deeper into the cloud that's wrapped around the presence of God. 
In Lent, we can take on practices that put us in the right place to experience God's presence in that way. And in Lent, we can be humbled. We can plan to fast from something and fail and try again. We can find ourselves just going through the motions with our new exciting prayer practice after a few days. We can discover that 40 days is a long time to do anything, let alone to spend with God on the mountaintop or with Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And even if you don't do anything differently for Lent, adding anything or taking anything away, you may simply find that a 40-day season of rain and mud will grind you down. But the good news is that there's as much wisdom to be found in our failures as in our joys. Because those two mountaintops are not completely distinct. In fact, for Peter, they happen at the same time. At the very least, they're part of the same range, part of the same process, part of the same journey deeper into the heart of God. And whichever experience you have, however glorious or however humbling it may be, God is there. Jesus is there. And when Jesus comes to you, he speaks to you with the same words he spoke to Peter, not with judgment or anger or even congratulations, but simply with the courage to get up and face the next day. Get up, he says, and do not be afraid. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.